Hello and welcome to the Praise Center Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, visit PraiseCenterOnline.com. Today's message, we are going to finish up our story of the Four Square Gospel. We, we talked about the fact that we preach these four major doctrines about Jesus Christ, represented by these symbols here. First, that Jesus Christ is our Savior, represented by the cross. Uh, Jesus Christ is our healer through the uh, cup, uh, representing the blood of Jesus, that, the stripes that he took upon his back. We also believe and preached last week that he's the baptizer in the Holy Spirit, and that is, of course, the dove. Not that the Holy Spirit is a dove, we said that, but also that the uh, Holy Spirit came in the form of a dove, or not in the form, excuse me, came like a dove upon Jesus when he was baptized. Today we're finishing it up and wrapping it up with Jesus Christ, our soon coming King. How many are glad he's coming? Coming soon. We add the word soon into that. Now, we, you know, you say, well, it's been 2,000 years. Well, it, it was soon in the Bible and it's going to be soon all the time, right? It's, as far as God's concerned, everything is soon. But I really do believe we live in the end times. I, with all my heart, I think, uh, you know, the Bible, Jesus himself said, as it was in the days of Noah, uh, and it talked about the fact that there was uh, not only wickedness, but people just going about life. And all of a sudden, we're in this place right now where we're just, it, there's sort of like this, oh, you know, everything's peace and safety, everything's cool. And all of a sudden, it's just going to take a, take, it's going to come. And we're going to talk about that today. It's going to be incredible uh, to go through this idea of Jesus coming again. He's coming soon. And uh, the, of those four topics that we've been discussing, I think this one receives the least attention. And, um, and I'm not sure exactly why, but it is an essential doctrine and powerful. And, and I think that this one, maybe more than the others, speaks to why we should invite others to come to church. Because he's coming soon, and there will come a day when the, the, uh, the door of opportunity, so to speak, uh, to be open to coming to Christ will be closed because we'll be in the, the actual end time. So uh, the time is short, I truly believe, and let's, let's look at this from a, a Bible standpoint. We're going to be in First Thessalonians chapter 4, all the way through chapter 5. Uh, verse 11, 413 through 511, and we'll read this in two sections. So I'm going to uh, finish up chapter 4 first. We'll talk for a little while, and then we'll go into chapter 5 uh, a little bit later in the message. So are you ready? Buckle in. Here we go. First Thessalonians 413. Brothers and sisters. Everybody uh, raise your hand if you're a brother or sister. That's everybody in the room. Okay, very good. Uh, so he's talking to us. We do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, I believe this, that we are those people, I really do, we who are still alive who are left till the coming of the Lord will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of an archangel and the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Would you read the rest of that sentence with me, starting with the word and? And so we will be with the Lord forever. We should just cheer right now and thank God for that. We will be with the Lord forever. And now I'm going to... 
fulfilled, verse 18, therefore encourage each other with these words. We're going to have some encouragement today. Amen? Are you ready to be encouraged? Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the promise of your soon coming. Thank you for uh, just the, the things that we see all around us as terrible as some of the events in history and in life have been and, and that we're experiencing even now on this planet. God, we know that there is going to be a fulfillment of these words that we read today. And God, we pray as they did 2,000 years ago, but we pray it will happen in our lifetime, that you would come quickly, Lord Jesus. Even as it says at the end of the book of Revelation, come quickly, Lord Jesus. We agree with those words now. If you believe it, say amen once again. So good. So, um, you know, let me just throw out a question, and I, I do really would like you to respond to be fine. But uh, what, are, what are some things that you hope for? Like, throw it out there. What are you hoping for? A raise. I love it. That's a great answer. I love that answer. Go on. What else? A boat. You want a boat? Really? Okay, cool. What was it? Healing. Hoping for healing. I love it. Happiness. Beautiful. These are great answers. Anybody else? Come on. What? Warmth. We're, we're getting there. <laughs> think about a month ago and think about now. <laughs> but that's good. No, I, that's as good, you know. No, no wrong answers, I don't think. Anybody else want to offer? Something you're hoping for. You know, I think some here might be hoping that the Mariners will finally make it to the World Series this year. Where's Lynn today? I threw that line in just for her. Yeah, maybe. Um, some, some are hoping they're going to win the lottery, even if you don't buy a ticket, right? I will find one on the road someplace, right? Uh, I hope you do too, especially if you type. That'd be great, so... Some hope for a, a raise, some hope for uh, good weather, uh, some hope that Costco will stop moving stuff around randomly in their stores, right? You on that wagon? <laughs> Let's start a petition. <laughs> but but this, you know, hope is an amazing thing that everybody wants to have. Are you with me on that? And, um, and so, so everybody in the world wants hope. I remember back in 2001, Ron and I, uh, went down with some friends to Las Vegas. Now, we're not, you know, I feel like I have to qualify that. Probably most of you don't care and don't think badly of me. We didn't go to gamble. We went because the airfare was cheap, the hotel was super cheap, and the food was super cheap. I don't know that that's really true anymore. And, and uh, to tell you the truth, after we went, I thought, I don't really like this place much. Now, I know there's some people that do. I'm not putting you down for that. That's fine. You go have fun. Do whatever you want to do. Uh, waste your money if you want. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but so we went down with our friends, David and Tandy, and, um, and, and I'm always of the mindset that wherever I go, Rhonda, you know, I'll be, I'll be, I go to sports events and stuff, and I end up watching people more than I watch the sports sometimes. So I'm always interested at in what makes people tick. And I remember, because uh, when you go to the hotels in Vegas, I, I suppose it's true in other cities like this where there's gambling, but the casinos are on the ground floor, and so we, on our way to our room or on the way to the next buffet, praise the Lord, uh, we, would ha we would have to walk through these casinos, and you'd walk through. And I just began to look at the faces of the people that were there, and I began to notice something. I began to notice that none of them, not one, was smiling. Not a one. And I don't know if that would register in your mind, but think about it if you ever go to a place like that, 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 that like, what's going on? Are, why are they here? What are they looking for? And I, I, I asked the Lord as I'm walking through uh, on my way to get some shrimp and some steak and <laughs> good stuff. But uh, I said, Lord, what's this about? Why aren't they happy? You know, here they came all this way. They're spending all this money. And uh, what, are, what are they looking for? And I felt the Holy Spirit spoke one word to me, hope. 
With every pull, I don't know if they pull anymore, I think they're all electronic now, you just push buttons, but with every pull of that uh, one arm bandit, with every push of the button, with every card that's dealt, with every roulette wheel that spins, whatever's going on, they're always are looking for that moment of hope. That, that they could be the one. Now, I, I, I do know that if somebody wins, they probably do smile in that moment, but that's few and far between. You with me, right? So, so they... People are hoping for things, and, and uh, they're, they're, there's a desperation, I think, in our culture, and for really across the planet, for that matter, to have hope. Every day, you know, uh, I think this is why people hunt and fish, too. Part of the joy is the hope that even in the crummy weather, you go out and you're just freezing cold, you're wet, it's drizzly rain, you're out there with a fishing pole in your hands, the eyelets are freezing up on you, and, but it might be the, the state record, right? You know what I'm saying? Or you go out hunting and you're, you're just miserable, trudging through mud and snow. And, you know, and, but why do people do things like that? They're hoping. There's, there's a hope that's built into that. This is why I golf. I, I'm just being real. <laughs> I like to golf. And, but, but there's always, and this is the thing Lonnie and I discuss, and Rhonda and I too, because, but whenever we're golfing, we talk about that even if you have a really bad hole, you just don't know, but the next hole could be the one. And so I was golfing with when, uh, on Wednesday with Lonnie. We went out in the afternoon, and, and we got out there, and uh, the 17th hole at Highlander is a par 4 that is reachable in one hit. You can, you can actually hit the green with one hit, which is pretty cool because that gives you an advantage to get uh, an amazing score on that hole. And uh, it's a difficult hole in some regards, but you can get it all the way to the green. Even a wimpy hitter like me can get there. And so I, I got my standard club, and I got up there, and I, I hit one. Now, uh, I'm 60 years old, and uh, I'm falling apart worse than most of you at this age. But, but I just my eyesight, even with corrective lenses, isn't that great. I've got something, some issue with my eyes. So I, I, this is why I can never go golfing alone. I have to bring somebody with me just to watch where the ball goes. But, so uh, I, I, I like you, Lonnie, but... I, I, <laughs> No, I'm just. No, no, I'm just kidding. We we have the best time, but um, but I do need somebody to be there. Or I would never know where my ball went. So I I hit the ball and I look up. I see nothing. And Lonnie goes, "Oh, great hit!" And he's always encouraging. He's super encouraging. But uh, but he just kept bragging and bragging. He said, "Oh, it's hitting right for the green. It's yeah, well, I think oh, it's going right up on the green." And 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 then, and he says, "I lost it." I go, "I'm you know, I'm thinking what happened." And, and uh, he's, got, he's got good eyesight, you know, and so I'm thinking, well. And so we start driving down in the cart. We get closer, and I, I, I walk out there, and I'm looking around. And I'm thinking, I don't see the ball. And we get clo- and the green's kind of elevated a little bit as you're walking toward it. I'm walking up, and he said these words. He said, maybe it went in the hole. Now, if you're not a golfer, you wouldn't know this, but that would be two of the most amazing and rarest shots in golf at the same time. Number one, a hole-in-one is very hard to hit, but even more difficult to hit and get is what's called an albatross or double eagle, which means you, you are actually three under par on a, on a single hole. And that's almost impossible. It's very, very rare. But it could happen. And I'm thinking, I'm going to score here. I'm going to have... <laughs> I'm gonna, the rest of my golf game, it didn't matter at that moment. I had hope. I had hope at that moment. And I walked up there to the green. And I, as the further I went up, I, I couldn't see the ball. And I could see the whole green at this point. And I, I'm looking across the whole green. I don't see the ball anywhere. And I'm thinking, you know, Lonnie saw it. And it disappeared. That's perfect. And I just walked, took a few more steps closer to the hole. And finally, I did see my ball. And it was past the green in a little depression yeah, that's right. Give me an awe. So, but, you know, you go from this elation to this, <laughs> oh. uh, I birdied the hole, which is good, but, uh, yeah. 
But go from that to that, you know, it was, it was all right. So, but all that to say that, that you know, it, there's things that we want to hope for in life, and hope is a big deal. Now, now I want to talk to you today about a better kind of hope. A more, a more incredible and ultimate hope, if you will. And it's one thing to hope that you might make a little money, catch a big fish, uh, find the best deal ever shopping on clearance. You know what I'm saying? It's all, yeah, okay, I got in someone else's wheelhouse there. Um, I'm trying to hit them all. But, uh, or, or to hit a hole in one. It's all, it's all good to think about those things. But can I tell you today, there is a hope that we have in Jesus that supersedes that stuff like nothing else. And don't be weary, church. Don't be weary thinking, oh, you know, it's never going to come. It's never going to happen. It's going to happen. And we can't lose our hope. It is the very thing that keeps us going. It keeps us motivated. And I want to speak to you about that hope today. It, uh, it fascinates me that even when unbelievers have a death in their family, that the first thing they usually do, most people still do this, is they'll want a preacher even if they don't go to church, even if they don't believe in God. Because all of a sudden they went from, I don't need God, I don't want God, to, man, I hope there's a God and I hope my, my, you know, my, my relative goes to a place where I get to see them again. It just, it's so stark. And, and all of a sudden, you, it's like that, you just can't deal with it and you have to think and you have to hope at that moment. It, I don't know, honestly, I know Debbie and I say this to each other a lot about, we don't know how people do it without Jesus. Like, how do, you, how do you navigate life thinking that this is all there is and, and all the struggle and the tough stuff and the death and the stuff? You know, I mean, there's great parts to life, don't get me wrong, but there's a lot of junk. There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of sorrow, too. And how do you navigate all that stuff and not have some light at that end of that tunnel? How do you go through that? I don't know. I don't know. So, so for us, there is a hope. And it's about this subject today. It's about our king is coming, what we sang about at our first song today, and what we're going to sing again about, because I love that song, we're going to do it again. But, but so, so we have this innate passion to have something to hope in, even with life, when life ends. Now, there's a lot of talk about the rapture. You may see stuff on social media about this. The word rapture, the word in English, means an intense pleasure, or feeling of intense pleasure or joy. The actual word rapture is not found in the Bible, so some people say, well, there is no rapture because... Uh, there, it's not in the Bible. But that is not at all true. That's just semantics. In, in Titus, we read this verse uh, from t- Titus 2.13. We wait for the blessed hope. Everybody say, blessed hope. blessed hope. The appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. The appearing of Jesus Christ. That's our blessed hope. So th- this, uh, it's this idea of this blessed hope that is hope for the believer and seeing our Savior to seeing the end of evil and all things wicked. Amen. For seeing uh, hope for an eternity together with lost loved or uh, not with lost love, with loved ones, excuse me. And hope for the day when there's no more pain, no more sickness, no more sadness, no more death, no more war. So we call this hope, this blessed hope, rapture. Because it's a feeling of intense pleasure and joy when we think about it, right? So we're, we're using a word that is not in the Bible to describe our blessed hope, which is the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Are you with me? So don't be afraid of the word rapture. It's just a great word that says, wow, I'm excited. Jesus is coming back. Amen. Should have been more excitement at that point. I, uh, I expressed myself in a very odd way so that you would... Should we try it again? Jesus is coming back! Yes! 
That was better. <laughs> Keep it up. Keep it up. Keep it coming. All right. Now, the, bur- the, the book of uh, 1 Thessalonians, which we read our text from and we're going to read some more from in a minute, is considered by scholars to be the first book chronologically written in, that we have in our New Testament. The Gospels cover earlier times, but they weren't written till later dates. Are you with me? And, and so 20 years had happened since, the, since Jesus had ascended to be with the Father, since the Spirit had been poured out, and the writing of this book, which is the first response. And we think what was going on, we, we can, can kind of read between the lines a little bit historically, is people at this point had some of their loved ones who were in Christ who had passed away, who had died, and they're all of a sudden going, uh, Paul, uh, excuse me, uh, what's going on, Paul? Because you said Jesus was coming, and we have this expectation that we're all going to go with him in the clouds, and we're going to have that blessed hope. And all of a sudden, they're seeing loved ones, and they're saying, what is going on right now? It, was not, it wasn't in their minds, it wasn't in their wheelhouse to think at all that Jesus wouldn't have come back before all their relatives had, had a chance to be raptured, because they knew Jesus was coming back, and they expected it so soon. So they're frantic. And so Paul uses this ex- occasion to explain some concepts about the Lord's return, and he, he, gives, these, he gives an encouragement first, and then he gives a warning. We're, we're really covering the encouragement part now, and then we'll get into the warning. Now, it, it, we see that Paul's main point is he's trying to get the Thessalonians, uh, the people there, not to be concerned about those who have already gone on. And the key phrase that you see in verse 14 is he says uh, about those who have died, he says they've fallen asleep, and, but here's the key, in him, in him. They've fallen asleep in him. Boy, you want to do a great study in the Word of God, begin to look up what, what it means that we are in him. You hear what I'm saying? And one of the things is, is that if you're in him, when you fall asleep, death you are still in him, and you are okay, and you're, you're going to be with the Lord. That's, the, that's what he's saying. And so the hope that we have for our loved ones and ourselves is based on the premise that we are in Christ. That's what it means to make him Lord. That's what it means, what, what we would say today, which wasn't a common thing for the early church to say, what we'd say, you become a Christian. That's, that's terminology the early church wouldn't have used at all. Only outsiders said that about them. They became believers. That's what we are. That's why we're gathered today. So there's this idea that we're in him. And there, it's, you know, along with this, though, as I talk about this, there's this horrible thought about people who, um, you know, uh, any loved one perhaps that you may have, or that, that I, and I have loved ones in my life that uh, don't know the Lord, and who, who may have already stepped into eternity, and I don't know that they knew the Lord. You know what I'm saying? That's tough, isn't it? And, and, and the, the Bible is specific and graphic in describing what happens to those that reject the gift of salvation. I want to be clear, God, uh, we've talked about this many times, but God does not technically send people to hell. That is a choice that we make when we don't receive the the offer of life that he's reaching out for free to us. He's just saying, here, all you have to do, (laughs) right, I'll, I'll, I'll pull you out of the mess you're in if you'll just trust me. And that's what salvation really is. Just put my trust. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Believe in Him. And that's what it means, believing in Him, putting our trust in Him completely. And so, so we, we come to this idea that there's, um, you know, if, and if you're not a believer and you have a loved one who's died and you're hearing this message now, you might be tempted to think, well, I just want to go where my, my relative went, right? I mean, can you, you can kind of picture that in people's minds. I've heard people say things like this, but I want to assuredly say to anyone that's thinking that you do not want to do that. You know, that isn't the answer here. 
and uh, that, that, that I can say to you that those that have died in this life and that we grieve over now, I promise you at that moment that we are changed and turned into what we will become, there will be no more grieving and no more crying and no more sorrow over those things. I don't know how God works that out. I honestly don't know if the mem- remembrance of them is wiped from us. I don't know how it works, but it works. And that when we get, he will wipe every tear from your eye. Trust me, he really will. So, so, uh, so Paul refers to those who have fallen asleep. Again, these are people who have died. We read again in verse 14, we believe that Jesus died and rose again, so we believe God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. They get, they're already there, right? Uh, you know, in fact, 2 Corinthians 5.8 on the screen says, we are confident, and I say it, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. The moment you or I pass from this life, we breathe our final breath, we go immediately into the presence of the Lord. But there is still a resurrection to come. And I don't understand it fully and completely. I could kind of try to describe it, but I don't want to get into it all today. Needless to say, there are still, there's still something happening where graves will open, right? So, so don't think you're going to be in this state of like suspended animation. You're going to be with the Lord. But there is going to be a day when Jesus comes. And when he comes, what's going to happen is those who are dead already, graves will be open. I don't understand why they have to open, but we, we know they do, okay? And, uh, and that something is going to happen of a, of a bodily resurrection, okay? So don't, because see, I know everybody's thinking, does that mean my decayed remains? This is gross. But is that, I don't know how that works. Maybe, I don't know. It says when Jesus rose from the dead, people who had already been dead were, were raised from the dead also. This is a very obscure little scripture, but it says that many saints that had been dead already were raised to life and seen walking around Jerusalem. That just the power of his resurrection bled over into the nearby graves. And whoa, you know, graves were open. So, so don't worry that you'll be in suspended animation. You'll be with the Lord, but there is this bodily resurrection that happens instantaneously before those who are alive and remain will be caught up together with him in the cloud. It's going to be so fast and so amazing. Many years ago, this is a tough story. I, I hesitated to even share it, but I just, I, I felt like it was important. Um, many years ago, a young woman came to me about a decision she was making about having an abortion. I tried desperately to talk her out of it. I, I, I told her she shouldn't go through with it, that it wasn't God's will that if she would, even if she didn't want to raise the child, there were plenty of godly parents that would, would adopt or, or help. And we, you know, as a church, we would stand with her. We would do whatever we needed to do. I begged her to reconsider and give the baby up. And uh, I thought I'd been successful. She sounded pretty positive when she left. But about two weeks later, she returned and told me she'd gone through with it. And I was devastated. I was, I was just, I was heartbroken. And then to my great surprise, um, this is something that to, my, to this day is the most surprising thing that's ever happened to me in ministry. She asked me if I would do a funeral for her aborted baby. Think that, connect those dots, will you? Just try to connect these dots with me. Because at one point she was saying, this isn't a baby, I guess. And that's not a life I'm taking. Now on the other side she's saying, it's my child and I want a service. And I tell you, I was, like, I didn't let her know it, but I was angry on the inside. I was upset. I was heartbroken. I was thinking, dear Lord, this is awful. This is the worst thing I've ever faced in ministry. It really is. And I was about ready to tell her, no, I'm not going to, you know, not going to do that. That's ridiculous. This is what was happening in my mind. But I didn't say any of that. I just said, you know, um, yeah, we'll do it. We'll do it. 
And I prayed and I prayed and I, I walked through and I talked it through with the Lord and I, I, I thought, here's what I felt like the Lord wanted me to do. I felt like He wanted me to witness to her and to witness to those that would be at that service. So we, we did it. It was basically uh, not a memorial. It was kind of a memorial service, which it was short. It was brief, obviously. It was at a graveside. And uh, we went to this cemetery up by Eniat and uh, a bunch of family gathered around and um, just like any other memorial would be, but, but not. You understand what I'm saying? So I, uh, I, she was told the sex of the child, and so she named him. And so the, these are the words I spoke at the graveside, some of the words I spoke. I said, uh, we take comfort in the fact that Mason is now in the glorious presence of Almighty God. Our loss has turned to joy and thankfulness in the midst of sorrow because God has conquered death through His Son, Jesus Christ. And because of what that death means to those who have placed their trust in Jesus Christ. I wanted to say that and talk about that because I want to tell you, I believe with all my heart, that every aborted child, every miscarried child, is in the presence of the Lord as well. I want to make sure that that word comes across. And I I don't know how, again, this is a, a mystery to me. I believe it with all my heart. I think I have some scripture for it that it's not super solid, but it's, I've got some, and, and I won't go into that today. But here's what I do. I, be, I believe in the goodness of God. But, but think about this. When we get to go home to be with the Lord, we're going to meet millions, perhaps tens of millions, hundreds of millions, maybe even a billion souls that never even breathed the breath of life or, you know what I'm saying, that, 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 that never had that chance and yet, there's gonna, they're going to be there with the Lord forever. And some of you have gone through terrible things like this. Maybe, maybe an abortion in the past. Maybe a, uh, a, a baby that, was, you know, uh, that, that, that didn't make it, a miscarriage. But I just want to reassure you, I believe there's going to be a great resurrection and a great reunion in the sky. Amen? Amen. So... Um, The, the events in First Thessalonians that Paul is describing are not what we would call the second coming of Christ. They're not. Uh, this is called that blessed hope, that rapture. There is, in addition, a, a time when Jesus will come and actually put his feet back on planet Earth. He's done it once as a, as a baby, grew up as a man, died on a cross. But the moment he ascended, he is stay, and when he comes in the clouds, that's the rapture of the blessed hope. That is not what we refer to as the second coming of Christ. It's a different event. And, but there will be a short, short space of time. Don't ask me to tell you how long. Um, probably not more than seven years, depending on your theology. But a short space of time, and then, uh, then Christ will come back to this earth and put his feet back on the planet. And that's when the king returns. You understand? The king comes back and begins his rule and reign as king, triumphant from that point forward. So there, there does seem to be a little space of time, whether it's seven years or any portion thereof. Uh, I'm not going to go into that right now. I have my own opinion. So, uh, but here, here, 1 Corinthians 15, 51 says, Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will be changed. Hallelujah. I'm, I'm up for that. Uh, you know, in a flash, it says, in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye. Isn't that a weird term? In the twinkling of an eye. At the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed. The twinkling in the Greek means the shortest time it takes to blink. 
They say that a human being blinks somewhere between one-tenth and three-tenths of a second. That's how long it takes, okay? So the shortest of that is a tenth of a second. Humans blink typically about 17,000 times a day. Did you know that? But just think about it. One of these times, you're going to blink, and when your eyes open back up, you're going to be there. (laughs) Come on. You see what I'm saying? Like, there's just going to be this blink, and bam. And then it's like, oh, wow. That is amazing. As we stand there with billions of other people just going, Yes, it was worth it. It was worth it all. That's the best blink I ever had, God. Thank you. Thank you. Let's go and finish out this text and finish up the message. We go further in our text. Paul gives this uh, uh, word of warning, though, on top of what he's already done in terms of encouragement. And even this warning will turn into an encouragement, so hang in there. But he says, now, brothers and sisters, verse 1 of chapter 5, about the times and the dates, we do not need to write you. I wish you would, but you didn't. Uh, For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman. And they will not escape. But you, catch this, but you, brothers and sisters, but you, brothers and sisters... I can tell some of you still aren't getting this. But you, brothers and sisters, yeah, 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 you're not in that first category. He's not going to come like a thief in the night for you. You're not going to be surprised by this entirely. It might be a little bit of like, oh, I open my eyes and there I am. But, 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 but it's different for us who are believers. He says, he says, but you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness that this day should surprise you like a thief. Don't you remember Pastor Sal preaching about it? Don't be surprised. It's coming. He says, verse 5, you are children of the light and of the day. The, the, you know, Jesus had said that the, 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 the thief comes at night. We're children of the day and the light. You're children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night of the darkness. So then let us not be like others who are asleep. Who, you know, in other words, we're just lethargic about the coming of the Lord. Well, I mean, I don't need to invite anybody to church because the Lord isn't coming and there's plenty of time. I don't know. You know, could be a week from today as I'm preaching the gospel message to people that you invited and they received Jesus at the end of the service. He could come in that moment. So I don't know. So let's not be asleep, but let's be awake and sober about this. For those who sleep, sleep at night and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, that's us, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, dead, we may live together with Him. Therefore, here it goes. Even though it's all this warning, look how he ends it. Same as he ended uh, chapter 4, the last verse. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as in fact. You know, one of the best things we can do is go around and encourage each other and say, the Lord's coming soon. Come on. He is coming soon. Are you ready for the coming of the Lord today? Brothers and sisters, I hope you are. So, so, so I'm sure you've all seen the bumper sticker. It's, it's, I haven't seen it recently, but you know, once in a while you see it on the back of some truck that's all decked out, and, and, guy, and, and some guy will put on there the bumper sticker that says, he who dies with the most toys wins. Have you seen that before? No, <laughs> it's not true. Uh, you know, I, uh, 
you know, especially here in America and in Western culture, because we have so much wealth and prosperity, we tend to live thinking this way. Accumulate, accumulate, accumulate. And so we hear this and, and we, we get swept up in materialism. And, and the fact is, you know, uh, that, that God wants to bless His people, but, but it isn't about accumulating toys. You probably have seen the updated bumper sticker you can get, I'm sure, at the Bible bookstore or online, but it says, uh, he who dies with the most toys still dies. <laughs> you know, and that's the truth right there. So, so here in chapter 5 of 1 Thessalonians, Paul is describing people who are living life as if the end is not coming. They're saying peace and safety, they're asleep, they're drunk. In 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 4, I want to read this verse as well. Paul uh, further describes these people. He, this is, he has more to say about them. He says in verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 1, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be, come on, and, and can we just do some self-examination today? Would that be all right if we just look this over to make sure that if we're dealing with some of this stuff that we're going to be willing to repent of it? But if people are lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, young people, and old people, uh, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with such people. That sounds like stuff we watch on TV all the time. That sounds like the news, right? And, and he's saying this is the way of the world. We dare not get swept up in these things. And we need to be forewarned that it is important that we live differently than these things. I'm not saying like, oh, if you slip and you sin, that the Lord won't take you when He comes. It, it maybe is a bigger issue than that. But maybe because we're living in, the, in these terrible uh, things that we're doing, we're not getting out there with the excitement about His coming and telling other people He's coming, and many souls are not finding salvation. It may not be about your salvation or my salvation. It might be about the salvation of your neighbor, your coworker, your friend, your relative. You see what I'm saying? It's a dangerous, dangerous thing. And other lives may be at stake. And I, I, I say all that because I don't want anybody to think that, oh, well, if you, if you become a lover of money at some point in your life and, and haven't repented, that you're going to go with the Lord. But get, repent of that stuff if you see it in your life. Just get it out of there. I want us to be assured in our salvation at the same time per, continuing to live holy lives and live more holy and more holy lives. So, so, so we can't pick and choose, well, I'll, I'll go ahead and, look, I'm not slanderous, and I, you know, but I, uh, you know, but I don't have any self-control, you know, so, right? No, there's, there's no pick and choose. This isn't a menu. We, this isn't stuff we're to be a part of. And, and again, in, in our text today, Paul describes these two kinds of sleep. He says, those who are died and said to be asleep, they'll rise again. But the second sleep he mentions here is people who are believers, who call themselves Christians, and have lost their eternal focus. They're asleep. I want to wake us up today. This is a, like an alarm. You know, I know you don't like your alarm in the morning, but this is your pastor alarm. And there's no snooze button on this baby, I'll tell you right now. So don't even reach for it, right? Okay. Paul is warning us. He's saying the coming of the Lord for the world would be like a thief who would come at night. But as Christian people, we're alert. We're, we're ready and we're going about and proclaiming the kingdom and the good news of Jesus everywhere we go. 
And that day will not be a surprise to us. That will be a great day of expectation. Amen? Worship team, come on back up. Jesus Christ is our soon coming King. There's a past, present, and future reality to this truth. The past we've talked about. He came to earth as a man. And we've talked about the fact he's coming again in the clouds to gather his church. And, and, uh, and, but there is an, a present reality to the coming king. And do you know in, in Psalms it talks about that, that God is enthroned on the praises of his people. Right? That there is a sense in which when we, when we call on the name of the Lord, if two of us agree in something, but if two of us uh, do something in the name of Jesus, he will, he's there with us. And so there is a present tense reality of the coming king that we're going to experience in just a moment here as we worship him some more is that he comes right now too in our worship. He's with us. He's among us. Like he's always with us. Don't get me wrong. It's not like he's absent and then we worship and finally God shows up. No, he's always with you. But there is something different about the presence of God when we do it together. And so there's something that happens in this room in a moment where we're going to worship together and we're going to go, okay, he's here. I feel the presence of God. He, the King is among us. I began by talking about hope. Apart from Christ, we have no real hope. There's nothing to look forward to, honestly. But when we receive this gift of salvation, we see that eternal life begins at that moment. And for the believer, you don't, you don't if, if, if any of us were to die you don't actually die anymore. You will never die. Because when you close your eyes and this physical body breathes its last breath, it's in that instant that you're with the Lord. There's really no more death for us. It's just, it's like walking uh, through a doorway. You're, you were alive in this life and you're alive in the next. So don't, don't fear death. In fact, Paul begins to say things like, to die is actually gain. Don't be, don't, listen, we can face death easily because we know we're not going to uh, you know, go through something so horrible and traumatic. And, 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 and so we don't have to cling to this life as if this is all there is. Man, I, I don't know about you. I, I, I'm not in a hurry, but at the same time, I'm pretty excited about being with the Lord. I really am. I'm very excited about it, actually. And it's just stepping from this life to the life to come. Please stand. As Jesus rode into Jerusalem 2,000 years ago, He will return. And I want to finish reading a passage of Scripture from Revelation up on the screen, written by John. He's kind of wrapping things up. It's getting really close to the end of the book, and there's an important feature happening at this moment. And he says this, he says, I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and wages war. His eyes are a blazing fire. And on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood. Man, that may seem like a negative, but that is the most, that's going to be the most beautiful robe we ever saw. This beautiful white robe and then this dipping in blood because it represents the blood of Jesus that he said that our, our salvation depends on that cross and that blood of Jesus. He's dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses. Uh, that's us, by the way. And dressed in fine linen, white and clean. And coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of Kings 
and Lord of Lords. King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Say those words with me. King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Say it again louder. King of Kings and Lord of Lords. One more time really loud. King of Kings and Lord of Lords. The King is coming soon. Amen. Thank you for listening to Praise Center Sermon of the Week. Don't forget, for more information, visit PraiseCenterOnline.com.